Amen. Well, good morning. I'm so excited to be with you. Um, I am going to be up front. This, I didn't know I was preaching today until about 24 hours ago. And But the best part about it is that you and I together are going to do this. You know what I mean? Come on, 9 a.m. showed up. I'm just telling you. 9 a.m. really showed me up, showed up with me. It was awesome. And I have high expectations on 11. So I'm so happy to be with you. Um, and isn't it just like God? You, you just have to go with it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so the plan isn't what the plan was. God's in this. And so, Lord, have your way. And that's how we go. And so, Holy Spirit, we do just one more time invite you into this place knowing you are here. But we open our hearts and our lives to you. God, we want to encounter you today. We want to be filled by you. We want to remember who you are. We want to worship and lift your name high. And we want you and your power to come on us in a way that changes us as we walk out of this room. That's what we ask. That's what we're believing for. We're testifying for it today. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, I want to start by telling you a story that happened years ago at the time I was getting ready to head out for like a year-long <laughs> adventure around the world. And to begin with that, I needed to fly to Georgia for like a 10-day training to get trained in all kinds of things. I honestly don't remember everything. But one of the days I woke up and there was this like buzz in the air because there was a woman who was showing up that day. And you could just tell people were excited about her. They had heard a lot about her that she, I just remember hearing about how she was this this fiery woman um, who loved Jesus so much and had lived a lot of different stories in her journey. And she had been a missionary overseas in some uh, different areas and had really known and had really lived the gospel out in some extreme places. And so she was coming in with stories about friends being persecuted, um, friends being martyred and imprisoned. Like she was coming in with stories as she was coming in to see us that day. And so we're all sitting in the tent like that night, having heard about this woman who was coming. And we're sitting, if you can imagine, it's like maybe like one of those like revival tents. I never went to them, but that's what people always say they're like. Uh, the big white tent in the middle of this uh, big, no, you know, it just like uh, grassy area. And we're in these plastic chairs and, and there's an aisle down the middle. And so this woman with a mic in her hand starts walking up this aisle as we're just all sitting there. And I remember she said, as she was walking up the aisle, she said, who here is ready to live for Christ? And there's like 150 of us college age and young adults. And so we just like shoot our hands up in the air because we, I mean, we are ready to go out. We we're ready to, to leave our families and to travel and do this thing. And so we're just really excited. So this whole room just raises our hands up. And as they raise it up before she is done, uh, we raise it before she's done. And as she continues to walk down the aisle, she says, and who here is ready to die for Christ? You know, and we're like, well, I didn't know that's what I was signing up for. And now my arm's in there. And I just remember her saying so clearly, she said, if you are ready to give your life to Jesus and to live it out, you better be ready to give everything to him. That's how she started it. We're like, I hear you. I hear you. I am here. I hear you. Um, and that just started this night of this woman just sharing story after story. Now, I love fiery people who have fiery stories. I love women who have fiery stories. So I was like in it, you know, just really there. And at the end of the night, there was this moment as she was sharing all these testimonies that she just invited us to stand. 
And I don't know that I'd ever had a, a clear experience with the Holy Spirit before like I had that night. There, something happened as I stood up. I stood up and I, I, my eyes were closed and my hands were out and I was posturing myself to say, God, I just want any and everything that you have. Clearly there's something on her that I acknowledge and I'm hungry for and so here I am, Holy Spirit. And in that moment, I just remember I felt like... Um, I really felt like some fire from God just came on me in this moment. And I encountered God. I encountered the Holy Spirit like I had never before. When I met Jesus, I was in, it was a random Thursday night of young life. And I just remember that night, I just learned who Jesus was as I had never known. And I walked out of the room that night, and I remember a friend of mine saying, You're glowing. I see, you're glowing. And I have I had that moment. But this night under this revival tent, it was like I was burning. I was burning. I could just feel it. God had done something. And I walked out of the tent that night, and I walked out carrying something on me that I hadn't before. And, and places that maybe I would have gravitated to fear, I felt more faith-infused. And I started to see things happen as I just started to step out in some faith on things. And the Holy Spirit began to move in ways that I had heard about and I had wanted but I had never experienced before. And we've been in this series for the last few weeks. And um, the first week it was about God uh, for you, and then it was about God with you and God in you. But today we had to talk about God on you. I'm so excited. Are you excited? God on you. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. And what we learn at the beginning of Matthew chapter 3 is we meet Jesus's cousin, John the Baptist. We meet him, and he's like a forerunner who is preparing the way for the Messiah, the anointed one, to come. He's the one who is making way, and he has his message, and he is um, known to be that wild man out in the desert. And among other things that he said in chapter or verse 11, he told uh, the people that I will baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. So this is what he was preparing the way. And then this moment came where Jesus came to John the Baptist, and that's in verse, uh, let's see, 13, and this is what it says. It says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting or resting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. There's a few things that we learn right off from the beginning of this. But one of them is the fact that it says that heaven split open. Did you catch that? That at Jesus' baptism, it said that as he went up out of the water, there was a moment when heaven opened. And this is meaningful because if you turn to Isaiah 64, Isaiah was a prophet who was like the mouthpiece on behalf of the people to God. 
And so there's this moment in Isaiah 64, verse 1, that Isaiah cries out to God and says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. And what this word of rend means is it's the Hebrew word karah, and it literally means the violent tearing in such a way that something could not be mended back together. And so what you have here in Isaiah 64 is God's people, through the the voice of Isaiah, crying out to God, saying, would you just tear these heavens apart and come down? The message even has it as rip open them and descend. And doesn't that give such meaning then when we come back to Matthew 3, that here in this moment, Jesus is coming out of the water and the heavens get ripped open, never to be re-sown again. And the arrival of Jesus, it had such a proclamation in this moment that there was a new day and a new era for God's people by Jesus's presence, but also by this moment that something had now been made possible. That as those heavens were ripped open, there was an access and an openness to the Lord that hadn't taken place prior to the arrival of Jesus. But now in this moment, by Jesus' baptism and by his proclamation, he's coming out and something has now happened because the heavens have opened up, never to be sewn back together again. Now, other things happen in this moment. One, the other one that happens is that the Holy Spirit, it says, comes to rest on Jesus like a dove, which also would have had such a powerful connection. Because back in Genesis 8, you have Noah's ark, and they're all on this ark, and they're out waiting for the waters to recede enough to be able to get off the ark, and this dove gets sent out three different times. And by the third time, the dove doesn't come back again, and by it not returning, it's actually signifying to Noah and those on the ark that, it was, um, that they were able now to would come off of the ark and back onto the land that God had. And so into this new covenant, it was a new beginning for God's people. And it was heralded by the, the dove being released in this moment. And so here as this dove is resting on Jesus, there would have been such a powerful connection to the pronouncement that it was a new day, a new beginning, and a new covenant for God's people. Now, what also would have to mean is that in this moment, this dove comes and it rests on Jesus. And in the Old Testament, there was a land that God had promised his people. It was the promised land or the inheritance that he had for them. But when you go to Deuteronomy 12, verse 9, this promised land is also called the resting place. And so in this moment, the Spirit of God comes and rests on Jesus, the promised one to God's people. And so Jesus becomes the resting place on which the Spirit of God is now upon and so goes with him forth from this moment. And so Jesus went forth from this baptismal moment, and he's declaring, uh, following the temptation that happens in the wilderness, that there is a new day, a new kingdom, a new covenant that has taken place, that everything has now changed. And so he begins to declare this. He begins to speak about the newness that is happening. And so when he comes out of the wilderness temptation, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says things such as, you've heard it said. 
But I say to you, because there's a new thing that God has now set into motion. Now, the beautiful thing is that our words carry such power that we can declare by our words that which we're believing God to do. And so Jesus is declaring with the spirit of God on him, the new thing that God is doing, which is powerful with the spirit of God on him, but also so important is that he demonstrated it. Like there's the declaration that is important, but there's the demonstration that gives reason that it could only be by the power of God that such things would happen. You can speak all kinds of things. But when God is on it, you will demonstrate it in a way that cannot be brought back to your abilities. And so Jesus begins to demonstrate that not only was Jesus, not only was God present, but God was presently moving. He was presently working. He was presently healing. And so in Matthew 4, just literally the next chapter from, the, from his baptism, we read about what happened. That Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, he healed them. See, what I want you to see is that there was the declaring the new thing of what God had set into motion, but there was also the demonstrating the new thing that God had set into motion, and there's this powerful moment in a synagogue God's spirit rested on Jesus. And in Luke 4, Jesus on the Sabbath walks into this synagogue. And he says, um, he went into it as was his custom. And he stood up to read. He was handed a scroll. Because at the times, the, it wouldn't be like a Bible. They didn't have Bibles. They had scrolls. And so he gets handed this scroll. And he goes in the scroll. He turns until he finds the point that he's trying to get to. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the synagogue, he stands and he proclaims this to the people. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Isaiah 61. Why? Why is the spirit of the Lord on him? To anoint me, he says. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so what I want you to see is that as Jesus came up out of this baptism moment with the spirit of God on him and the, the heavens ripped up, ripped before above him, he was stepping into a season where he was proclaiming the spirit of God on him and the new year that had been set into motion to preach and proclaim and set free. And he was demonstrating the new kingdom and the new covenant that God was setting into motion. But the unbelievable thing about all of this is that he didn't stop there. That it wasn't just about Jesus proclaiming and Jesus demonstrating. But something happens in Matthew 10. He gathers his disciples together. What I like to think is this ragtag group that I would be found in of just like, I don't know what is going on, but here I am. And he gathers them all together and he gives them his authority by his presence with his power on them. And so he tells them this. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Just as Jesus had declared, they were to proclaim the kingdom come. 
and do. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And the key here is that Jesus is saying, you have got to know what it is that you have received in this moment so that you can go freely give it. Because with the Spirit on them, they were now empowered to go with God into the places that they could never make those things happen except by the evidence and the testimony that the Spirit of God was on them. And isn't it that when you receive something that you know wasn't by your merit, it wasn't by your earning, it wasn't for your, by your entitlement, there is a posture you hold to that thing that you're like, if you receive something, do you want some of it? I'll give, do you want some? Look, this, someone just gave this to me. I'll just, here, you take some of it too. There's, when you realize how freely you've received something, it's like the natural thing is to say, who wants it? Because I didn't earn this thing. I didn't even ask for it, really. It just it, it, God just did this. So if he could just do this, well, do you want some too? Let me just give some of what God has given to me and to you in this moment. And so the beautiful thing about God on us is that, is that it goes with us to give to others. And I just think, isn't this what we want? I mean, we don't really want to just come on a Sunday and sit here and just learn a few nice things and then go home and, and close up the notes and close up the, the note app on our phone and go about the rest of our life through Saturday night and then come back on a Sunday. No, we want the real stuff of God's kingdom and power moving in our lives, don't we? Because yes, God transforms us and he gives us life. And that is the unbelievable gift of God in us is that he gives us abundant and eternal life like we could never deserve or make happen on our own. And God on us goes with us so that we could actually give it so freely to the people and the places that we find ourselves See, God empowers you so that you can go give away in such a way to influence, to affect, to change the places, the people, the relationships around you. That you would step out of a place and it'd be different. It'd be more hopeful. It'd be full of the goodness of God because somehow there was something that had been given to you that you were able to so freely give to others. And that is what the Spirit of God on us does. It goes with us in such a way that we freely are able to give that which we could never give. And so what I'm talking about is like in your marriage, the thing that you can't do on your own, but with the Spirit of God on you, that which feels so impossible somehow now is infused with impossibility. I'm thinking about in your workplace that is so chaotic and toxic that maybe you have to leave to go find something else, but maybe you have to carry the peace of God into that place that infuses and rearranges and brings alignment to it. I'm talking about in your business that feels like it's just constantly draining you or you're not being able to figure out exactly how to go forward. I believe in us getting the best strategies. I believe in us, you know, learning and growing and becoming as best as we can in our ability. We're stewards. We're responsible for what's been given to us. And it's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that makes happen miracles. It's the Spirit of God that makes happen what we could never do. So that the testimony becomes so clear, doesn't it? 
It's not my abilities. It's not my strength. It's not my years of schooling or learning. It is the power of God that did that thing that I never saw possible. It's the power of God who set me free. It's the power of God who brought peace to my thoughts again. It's the power of God that I have faith in the midst of this. It's not anything else. It's the power of God. Okay, I want to take you to one other place. Are you with me? We're good. We're good. John 20, I want to take you one more place to give a little more context to what I'm trying to say. And John 20 is this, um, it's this really fascinating passage to me. It's at the end of Jesus's life. Well, actually he has died, but he has not ascended yet. So it's in that in-between season after the cross before ascension. And he finds his disciples locked up uh, behind locked doors out of fear, which I just think is that not just such a beautiful picture of God's heart for us. You may be feeling like you're locked up in fear, but somehow as only Jesus does it, he finds himself into that space. And so he finds himself into that space where the disciples are, and he tells them, he greets them with the words, peace be with you. Peace were the first words out of his mouth when he found them in that space. And so he said, um, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this word for breath, which I've talked about before, but it's a really interesting word because it doesn't appear anywhere else unless you translate the Old Testament, which would be in Hebrew, into Greek. And when you translate into Greek, there are only two places that this word appears. One is in the Garden of Eden when God breathed into Adam. And the second is in Ezekiel, when God breathed into the dry bones that they were a living army. And so when Jesus uh, comes to his disciples in this moment, this breath and this receiving of the Holy Spirit is very much about creating life. That he is breathing creative life into them. It's a, a new beginning. And so as there's a new kingdom and a new covenant that has been set into motion, he wants them to be alive with him and the new that he is ushering in. And so he breathes life into them. That is God in you. But today, we're talking about God on you. And this moment happens not shortly after where it wasn't about the inpouring, but it was about the outpouring. And if you literally just turn about two pages probably in your Bible, depending on it, you'll come to Acts 1. And it's still that time before Jesus has ascended. And in this moment, he makes a promise to them. He was eating with his disciples, and he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which he had talked about prior to this moment. We just didn't have time for that. For which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the disciples got together, and they're saying, um, are you going to, at this time, going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth of that which God has done. And so the disciples are given this promise that isn't about the breath of life that they were to receive, but is about the gift of power that was going to come on them. And then they're told to wait. Wait. It's coming. 
Just wait. And how often do we find a place, ourselves in a place where we have the promise, we have the waiting, and so what do we do? We just start counting, okay? Another day, okay, another day. You said this thing was going to happen, what, but when, when does this happen? But what I love about it is that as they counted up wondering when, they stayed put where they were. They showed up, waited, 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 believing that he was true, his word would be true. And as only God would do it, it says in Acts 2 that the day of Pentecost came, and they were all together in one place suddenly. It's how you always know God's doing something, the suddens. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There was this moment after the receiving of the Holy Spirit for the life, to be alive in Christ, there was a moment when the Spirit came on them in such a way that they were empowered to do the thing that they could not have done except that God's power came on them. This is what John the Baptist had prophesied back in Matthew 3. It's what Jesus promised in Acts 1, that the Spirit of God was going to come on them in such a way that just as Isaiah 61, one said they would be anointed to preach and to go and to proclaim. And just as Matthew uh, 10 said, or commissioned them to, they would go heal and deliver and set free that freely they've received. And so freely they were to go and to, and to give what it is that they had been given. And on one hand, I want you to know that if you don't know Jesus, it's the breath of Jesus that gives you the new beginning and the new life. It's the breath of Jesus that gives you abundant eternal life. It's the breath we receive that doesn't matter how big you've messed up or how long it's been or what you have or have not done or become. It becomes a new beginning and a new marker that says, no, from this moment, God has revived me to life. And if you have followed Jesus, but you are stuck in that place of frustration, of exhaustion, of just like, how do I keep doing this? I'm trying my best, God. I'm doing all the things and nothing is happening. You need the power of God on your life. Like You need the power on you. Because when Jesus breathed into his disciples, it was about them being who he had called them to be. But when the Holy Spirit came on them, it was about them doing what it was that they were called to do. Because the purpose of God in your life requires the Spirit of God to come on you by his presence. Your life cannot do what God has intended it to do without the Spirit of God on your life. In you, yes. Yes, in you, but on you, yes, yes, it's the power of God. It's the power of God that goes with me. It's the power of God that goes with you, that somehow you're able to freely give away that which you have received because you know it's not by your merits, it's not by your strength, it's not for your glory, but that somehow your life is part of a bigger story 
and a bigger purpose. And in this moment, you freely give to the places around you. I'm talking about like in the target aisle where all of a sudden you have this instinct that someone needs some healing and you sense God doing something and the power's on you. And so you give so freely to that person that which you'd never earned on your own. I'm talking about whatever situation, the coffee shop, where all of a sudden you hear God speaking a thing you never thought that he was going to say for a person you never knew. And all of a sudden you're offering them a word of life you didn't know they needed except the power of God was on your life. It's the stuff that makes what we preach and stir up on a Sunday go with us throughout the week because in any moment we don't need someone on stage stirring us up. We have the power of God on our life. So all we do is lean in and say, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing in my day? I mean, you want the stories and the testimonies and the big purpose of God on your life, but it's the day-to-day leaning in. What do you have? Who do I give to? How are you stirring it up in me, God, for today and for this place and for now? I could tell you so many stories about when the power of God came and the inconvenient or, or the... Um, the unexpected, and especially the very ordinary moments and places of life. But what I want to finish with is to tell you a story that actually is not my own story. It's my husband's story. And I asked him, he said I could tell it today. And it's so funny because I didn't know I was going to be up here today, which that's just so God. But earlier this week, we were in the car driving to the airport, and we just started to get so fired up together talking about the encounter moments in our life that changed and marked us. And we were talking about our own hunger for that. And we were talking about our own conviction of like, man, people need this. They need those moments that they just know like it was God and God alone on them in that, the fiery moments. And um, the band come, come up. I'll finish up with this. And so we started to recount this moment, though, in my husband Mark's life. And Mark was someone who believed he was following the God in you stuff. But the God on you seemed a little stretching to him, so to speak. And so he had wrestled with it for a bunch of different seasons. And he had really come to a place of waiting and a place of anticipation of, oh, there is, there is more God has. God is in me. He's given me life. But I am desiring the power of God on me into the places I may find myself. And so on this one night, Mark found himself in Asia, and he was in this big worship room, and he was singing and worshiping Jesus with a whole bunch of other people. And this leader comes up to him and lays a hand on him, and the leader is one of those who has a lot of authority, and you get excited when someone may pray over you because you're like, oh, this is my moment. Have you had that? You just get found in the middle of the crowd and this person comes and they're like the big leader of the moment. And so they're laying the hands on and there's there's that moment. I've had it where I'm like, okay, come on. I'm I'm ready, God. What is it that you're going to give through them to me? And that can happen. We love prayer in here. There's going to be a whole ministry team back there. I love praying for people. But this leader finished praying over my husband's life and nothing had happened. And so the leader walks away. And my husband's still standing in the middle of this whole room. And the leader walks away. And wouldn't it just be like God that he gets so far away that there could be no mistake that this leader had nothing to do with what it was about to happen. And as the leader was all on the other side of the room, all of a sudden, Mark is just standing there being like, okay, well, what now? And he closes his eyes and he just opens his hands up. And all of a sudden, he just senses the power of God coming on him. 
There was no one around. There was no hand on him. It was just on him. And he would tell you that it was like all of a sudden the spirit of God just kind of just descended. He didn't even know we were talking about that today, but it like descended on him. And he had this moment where he just heard so clearly that God's saying over him, you are my son. And just confirming that identity into who he is. And Mark has lived some stories and has tales to tell just like any one of us. And so it meant everything to hear the words, no, you are my son. And then he has this experience with this where all of a sudden he just starts getting consumed by the power and the presence of God. And in a moment that it could be by no explanation alone except the weight of God on him, Mark literally falls to the ground and just lays there. He doesn't know what happened. Except somehow God came on him. Came on him. He came on him in such a way that from that moment on, Mark would tell you that night marked him. He's gone with him. My husband's one of the most generous people. Generous people. He loves giving to others because he's really aware of what he's been given. And in moments like that, it's reminded him it wasn't by anything he did, but God did and God gave, so he receives. And so he walks with the power of God on him. And I want to invite you to stand because we're going to enter back into some worship. And I want to have some ministry for a moment. Because I'm really believing for us a few things. One of us is um, I really, truly want you to know I feel this so sincerely that I hope it comes across this way. But if you do not know Jesus, he will breathe life into you that from any moment on becomes a marker in your story that says, I am new and revived, and it could only be by the breath of God in my life. And if that is not your story, we have ministry team at the back who would love the honor and privilege to pray with you that you would receive life. But I also want to pray for you and I want to challenge and invite you to open your hearts, your minds, open yourself up to the possibility that what you have known about God may not be all that God is. And could it be that as much as you've known or as long as the history has been with him, that is more that he has for you, that there's more of who God is that wants to come on you. I just think about people in this room who you may be so frustrated because you're trying so hard for your life to tell a different story than the stories that have been told to you and you may not need to just like go get all the achievements to prove that you've become that person you may just need the power of God on your life to testify in a way that people say you're so different how and you're like I know Jesus is how I mean some of you are trying so hard to get out of certain habits or patterns in your life or your story and I just think it's the anointed one who brings freedom to the captives and could there be areas of your own life that maybe out of shame you like to hide because there's some captivity there there's some non-freedom that you have found there 
And I just want to invite you today, not for me, not for this, but for you and your story with God. What would it look like to open up the fullness of you to him and somehow to experience the power of God in your weakness, like the power of God in the places you feel most shameful for, the power of God that you need the greatest breakthrough for. I'm so passionate about this because Jesus has set me free in life. My story tells the story of a God who is that good and that big and that real that in places I could never. He did. And in places that, that it was for no reason alone except the power of God. And so right now, I just want you to open your arms, close your eyes, get into a posture to say, freely I'm going to receive God. I know I didn't earn it. I know maybe I messed up recently. I know there's a lot going on. I know that there's a lot of things I've been thinking about, but I'm going to open myself up because I want the power of God to tell the bigger story in my life and the power of God to tell the bigger story in my family's generation. And Jesus, right now, I, I pray for the person who needs peace in their mind. Some of you need peace in your mind, and you don't necessarily need to train your thoughts differently right now Jesus we speak peace in the name of Jesus the power of peace over your body I think about some of you who may need healing right now I'm gonna lob some things out and then you're gonna open yourself up with God okay that's how we're gonna do it I, I think about some of you who physically need some healing in your life and your body and right now, I don't know, maybe you want to raise a hand or, or maybe you just want to open yourself up. But we're going to believe right now that some people are going to walk out whole from this place because God came on you in power. That the place of headaches, the place of, of whatever it is, the thing that you can't seem to fix. You've been to all the doctors, you've done all the things, and it's still stuck. I can't do it, but God can. And so Jesus, right now, would you bring your healing in this place? place where the healing is needed most. And I want, last one I'll say, I just pray for the people who need the breakthrough. The people who need the breakthrough. I know some of you came today and you're like, God, I have got to get this breakthrough. And I don't know what it's in, but Holy Spirit, I ask right now that power would come on your people for the breakthrough. Maybe it's the new thought you haven't thought. Maybe it's the strategy that all of a sudden comes to your mind. Maybe it's just the power of God over your life. But we pray breakthrough in this realm. And we're going to enter back into worship. And let me tell you, this is a chance. The room's been set by the Holy Spirit here. And so you and I can enter in. We're invited to go as deep as we want to with him and to open ourselves up as much as we want to. And places of resistance, I want to challenge you to push past it and say, no, even there, even there, even now, even in that relationship, even in that place, God, I'm asking you to come in power over our lives and our stories. Holy Spirit, would you come on us in the powerful name of Jesus. There's communion, there's ministry, and so come, Holy Spirit, come.